Welcome back to the Chip Lunch Podcast. It is uh, amazing to have everyone along with us who has been listening or downloading or watching us on YouTube. Thank you very much. And I'm here hosting the podcast on my own, as usual. Not as usual. Uh, <laughs> the other guys are not available, but I do have someone available, and her name is Dee Moncton. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. Now, hang on. D is short for? Deidre. Deidre. Okay, cool. Uh, is there any reason you in particular like be called, prefer to be called D over the, rather than Deidre? Is it just uh, the syllables? Uh, no, it's not. We, we moved to the States uh, and lived there for six years. Yes. And while we were over there, uh, no one in America had ever heard of the name Deidre. <laughs> really? And none of them could remember how to, uh, how to say it or pronounce yes. it and uh, they abbreviate everything to initials over there um, you know TJ etc etc I became yep. D and oh. um, it kind of stuck when we came back is your middle name an E or is it a uh, if they abbreviated what would it be uh, D D A D A D A but no I just became shortened to D you sound like an author don't you like D A Moncton my favourite story by D A Moncton um what was my other question? Was oh, how did they mispronounce Deidre? Oh, I think that they just Deidre. Yeah, they they just couldn't really remember it. I don't actually recall how they mispronounced <laughs> oh, it. That's but okay. um, they they'd always go, oh, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, good American <laughs> yeah. accent, by yeah. the way. <laughs> right. Well, in the start of the Chip Lunch podcast, we also like to, we always like to ask the same question every time, which is, how do you like to eat your hot chips? With plenty of chicken salt. Oh, no. <laughs> I know you were telling me that, like, you haven't listened to, um, you've only listened to your husband John's episode of the Chip Lunch podcast, which is totally fine. Correct. But there is a battle between myself and Ethan and Brayden, oh. the usual co host of the Chip Lunch podcast, about whether it's chip, uh, chicken salt or plain salt. Plain salt. salt. And I'm, very, I'm very much on plain salt. The others who are on chicken salt. So that's why, <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, so lots of chicken salt. Lots of chicken salt. Like how much are we caked? Are we caked in chicken salt? Well, you don't want it so salty that you can't eat it. But yeah, a <laughs> decent amount. Right, okay. And is there any sauces involved as well? No. No sauce? Plain, plain chicken salt. No, like some people have said they have vinegar. You haven't had vinegar with it? Um, my daughter is partial to vinegar. Ooh. I don't mind it every so often, but... Uh, if I was to just go and have chips by myself, mm. chicken salt. I don't know if I've ever had vinegar with hot chips. Mm. I've had like salt and vinegar potato well, chips. Yeah, and it, it's kind of the same except they get a little bit soggy. That's that's my <laughs> biggest thing with adding the vinegar. Mm. Yeah, I don't want soggy chips either. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And is there a particular place you, you like or a, a particular memory that you have associated with a place that you got hot chips from? Mm. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> They're all bad. <laughs> no, a typical um, typical weekend. Uh, as the kids were growing up, we we would have takeaway uh, one night on the weekend nice. and just go up to our local at Janali and yeah. um, pick up some some chicken and chips from there. But even that's nice, isn't it? Mm. Like it's just a, like you know you make memories as a family. It's like remember when we used to go and get hot chips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's nice. Anyway, uh, the <laughs> next question on the Chip Lunch podcast, we always ask you at the start is, and it's what the podcast is about, is how did you become a Christian? Yes, so that was a slow process for me. Uh, for those that were at Week Away, they might know some of this story because I uh, gave the abbreviated version there. I'm so sad uh, I didn't get to hear it, but that's why we've got the podcast. <laughs> yep, yep, but that's okay. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I guess I always grew up with a sense and uh, th- um, that God was was there. Um, I am a child of the seventies, and <laughs> uh, being uh, that era, most people used to send their kids to Sunday school. Then uh, I am one of four. Uh, we were. My siblings and I were born within a period of three and a half years. So there were four of us born very close together. My parents uh, chose to send us to Sunday school, I believe, not so much to give us any sort of religious education, but to give themselves some peace and quiet on a Sunday morning, actually. Uh, So we went along to Sunday school for a number of years uh, when we were in primary school. Uh, Where was that? I'm sorry? Where, where, where was that? Primary school or, or the church? Oh, the church, we, yeah. Oh, uh, that was at Lugano Uniting back in the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Born and bred in Lugano. <laughs> uh, yes, and so grew up with a, a knowledge of God uh, because of that. I had a fourth grade teacher who back in the day, uh, things are very different now, but back in the day she was very clear, clearly a Christian. She used to make us uh, stand behind our chair at the beginning of every morning and we would say the lord's prayer in school before we started the day wow yeah so times have changed a lot that's right not really allowed now (laughs) no yep no that's right uh anyway uh, i think over the years uh sunday school changed to maybe various kids clubs after school um i joined gfs which uh was at the local Anglican church when I was probably in about sixth grade. What's that, sorry? Uh, I'm sorry, yes, okay. <laughs> so that stood for Girls Friendly Society back okay. in the day. Oh, did you have to learn how to be friendly? Is that <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, a, a kids' club where we would learn about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, my brothers used to call it Gorilla Face Society. <laughs> very, very inventive. Well, that's that's... Typical brothers for you, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what was GFS like, sorry? It was good. We'd, we'd play games. We'd do a Bible story. Um, you'd get some friendship there. Um, you'd have leaders there. And much like kids' clubs today, that sort of thing. Uh, very much run by the Anglican Church. It was very big in the 70s and 80s. Uh, so I continued sort of growing in my knowledge of God all through that time. Then by about... Year 10, I guess, my brother, I have twin brothers 11 months younger than me. So there were three of us under one in our household. Wow. They uh, started going along to the local youth group and being so close in age, but me as the older sister, I didn't really want them doing anything that I wasn't doing. Mm. And so I started going along (laughs) to the local youth group as well. And out of that, uh, we were encouraged to go along to church. Uh, when I was at church one day, I remember listening to uh, the minister there preach and he was talking about how being a Christian is not standing uh, or is not about saying rote prayers like the Lord's Prayer. And yep. by the way, I had continued over the years to say the Lord's Prayer every day myself since oh. back in fourth grade. That was something that my teacher back then had instilled in me and um, I continued to do it. But I guess it didn't really mean a lot. Uh, and yes, I listened to my minister preaching and he was talking about how 
it's a personal journey with God, a personal relationship. He talked about Jesus and the relationship that you have with him, as well as what Jesus had had done in terms of um, dying for, um, for your sin. And I began to think about that and I, I started praying more personal prayers. Uh, one of the things in Year 10, once again, that I was facing at the time was I went on work experience as a teacher and I was uh, working in a third grade class along with the teacher there and uh, I used to walk home every day. It was just, once again, at Lugano Public School. I would walk home uh, after the classes and one of the kids in the class walked with me one day and she was sharing how, um, how her mother had uh, was in hospital and they were looking at doing tests for her because they thought that she had leukaemia and uh, I was just devastated at hearing that I put myself in that position and thought oh that would just be awful to to know that your mother had a potential life-threatening disease and I went home that night and I prayed for this this woman that I had never met and um Anyway, the next day the little girl came back and she said, guess what, my mum doesn't have leukaemia. Wow. And I guess to me at the time that was a real case of God answering prayer and hearing the, the prayers of uh, someone that he loved. And mm. it was the beginning of a real faith journey for me where I um, have constantly throughout my life seen God answer prayer and... Um, he doesn't always answer it in the way that I want, but I know that he, 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 like you can't manipulate God, but I know that he loves me and he listens to me mm. and he hears me. And um, yeah, that was the beginning of my faith journey. So wow. I guess that was probably the beginning. This is why I love doing this podcast, because the way that we hear people um, have their different experiences with God and becoming a Christian, like, mm-hmm. and you said that, that's now a pattern over your life is that God mm. answering prayer and that's um, really interesting. And so once this kind of um, happened, what, how old were you when this happened with your friend walking home and talking about the... I would have been about 14. Yeah, right. Yep. So, and then what do you think changed for you after that moment? Because it, 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 like around that time you've become a Christian, what do you think changed? What was, what was different? Were you thinking differently? You felt like you were transformed? Um, to be honest, I was I was always a kind of a nerdy, goody goody kid anyway. So I don't know that outwardly I changed very much. Okay. Um, I was always a rule follower, um, but I think I think the um, it was the beginning of starting that relationship with God, um, delving into my Bible, reading that, understanding more. That's probably what changed. Yeah, right. And do you think that grew as you, as you got older in high school? Was there a chance for you to be more outward as a Christian? Because uh, we've probably said a number of times on this podcast that even I became a Christian when I was, I don't even know if I was 15 or 16 now, mm-hmm. but around that time, but I don't know if it was ever outwardly displayed in my actions or mm. even how I spoke to people or thought about them differently. And school is a very difficult environment to mm-hmm. do that sometimes. I'm just wondering if that was, did you see opportunities for you to do that once you became a Christian? Uh I think at school the biggest opportunity would have been through a group called ISCF uh, in a school Christian fellowship at the time. I don't even know if they have 
They have something similar, but I don't know if it's exactly oh, the same. Sure. It's a lot of acronyms. Yes, well. it is. is that uh, <laughs> it was. It was basically the Christians in the school would meet together. Yeah. If there was a Christian teacher there, he would he yeah. would um, lead us yeah. uh, just in in studying God's word. And it was very uncool to uh, go at lunchtime to the ISCF group. Um, so, but I did have opportunity to do that, and it was it was kind of neat to identify the other other kids that would go along there too that you wouldn't necessarily um, pick that would be Christians, but there's no guarantee that they would pick that I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's so. similar to um, we had a railier on the podcast um, at the end of last year, and they they actually during the COVID lockdowns they they. Uh, said no, no other meetings of any kind, mm-hmm. and they brought us a lot back. And really, actually, and a number of the other Christians in the school lobbied for the Christian group to be back. I don't know if it was. I don't think it's called ICF anymore. But okay, it was a similar thing. But and she said the same thing as that you said. It was like, oh, now I can see who all the Christians are in the mm-hmm. school, partly because I'm now I don't feel like I'm alone. Yeah, but also like, oh, we're all we're all Christians. We're all here. We're all hanging out. It's, yeah, in that sense, it's really yeah. cool. And I think when you're in high school too, certainly for me, it it's it was difficult to um, it still is difficult to talk to my about my faith to, uh, out to people that do not necessarily know Jesus. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily stand out mm. as a, uh, a Jesus follower at school, um, other than the fact that I probably wasn't a rebel and. <laughs> and are you a rule follower? Yes, you that's right. So, but am I a rule follower uh, because I follow Jesus, or am I a rule follower anyway? There wasn't mm. a big sort of yep. distinction there. What made you a rule follower? Do you think? I think that's probably part of my personality. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> what is your personality then? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I tend to be fairly, fairly straight lined and. <laughs> and more on the quieter side. Okay. Oh, that's all right. And was that what it was like growing up in your family too? Was it was a very rule-following family? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I was probably the quieter one. I My brothers are a lot more uh, adventurous and rowdy than I am. <laughs> so, yeah. I wonder if that's – do you think that's why you were a little bit quieter because they were a bit too gregarious? So you're like, I'm going to – like stand out a little bit differently from them? Uh, maybe. Not intentionally. Yeah. Like maybe not even thinking that intentionally. It's just how you grew up. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. All right. So if you, you're going to ICF, mm-hmm. you said, you've become a Christian, which is awesome. What about church? Was that yep. uh, Lugano Anglican as well? It was at Lugano Anglican. So uh, I, I did, as I said, did start at church uh, there when I was 14 uh, and continued there right through until I – was married pretty much well oh. engaged the year I got engaged I moved churches yep. but, um, yeah what did that what did church look like for you when you started going when you were 14 was there a youth group on Friday night or there wasn't a youth group as such mm. there was uh, so when I first started going along there was church on a Sunday evening which was when the younger people used to meet. We were then encouraged at the time to start to go to church in the morning as well to get to know uh, different demographics of people and it, it 
It was actually very beneficial, I think. So uh, typically for, for many years, church for me was church on a Sunday morning and church in the evening. And we would do a Bible study before church in the evening as well, the, the young people at the time. Yeah, right. You said it was beneficial to meeting other people. Why, why, was, why was that? I think that um, you can s- learn a lot from other generations. Mm. Uh, they did encourage um, a mixing of the generations at that church. Uh, there were the occasional families that would invite the younger people back to their place for lunch after uh, morning service mm. and it was really neat to actually observe as a 14-year-old, I guess, how uh, they were raising their kids yeah. and uh, how their kids would, would ask questions about the sermon, well, not even the sermon, I guess, it was Sunday school for them, but they'd discuss what they had learnt on Sunday morning and um, how the, how the, I remember how the dad would um, talk to them about that around the lunch ta- Sunday lunch table. Yeah, was, right. It was neat. And, um, like, even seeing the older saints, like, that are a lot older than you, it was was cool to see, like, and actually being a Christian is a long-term thing. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. Well, I like hearing that because, like, uh, as you may have picked up at Soul Revival Church, we like to talk about intergenerational, Mm -hmm. and it's a really uh, key focus of us is that, of our church, is that it's really, we do think there's a lot to learn from older generations, as you're saying, but also vice versa, the older generations learning from the young um, people. Have you... And that time, I mean, it might have been over a couple of years, or you were, said you were at Lugano for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, did you see the older people learning from the younger people as well? Did you, is there any example maybe that you can't pick out right now? Mm, I can't think off, th- off the top of my head, but I think that the older people did enjoy interacting with us. There mm. was, um, it wasn't a youth group that was led by a specific leader as such. My memory is very sketchy, if, you, if I have to be honest. <laughs> I know that we... We had some sort of a, a gathering because that's how my brothers and I ended up there right at the beginning. Mm. But um, but it, there was no official thing that happened every single week that I can recall. But anyway, all to say that occasionally the, the young people would get together and we'd um, put on things such as a dinner uh, for the entire church and we would serve them and uh, prepare the dinner and uh, make it a, a black tie sort of <laughs> Um, sort of an affair, yes. <laughs> and and I think that they really enjoyed that. And then some of the more outgoing members of our youth would uh, put on some sort of a concert or a show as well. Mm. And, and they really enjoyed that. That's lovely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether they learnt from us. I'm sure that they did, but <laughs> it's hard for a 14-year-old to yeah. say that. <laughs> uh, no, that's why I said you might not be able to remember. But how do you think that set you up as... Uh, a Christian, do you look back at that time and go, it was really formative for you? I mean, you're always, when you become a Christian, it's like really formative. Then you have other Christians around you to really help you in your faith and to understand things in the Bible and, and, and things like that. But do you look back on that time now and go, oh, that was just really, for me, I'm really glad it happened? Mm. Not so much. It's okay if you say not so much. <laughs> I think, yeah, I perhaps, yeah. I'm not sure. I think that certainly the years, uh, it was a a formative time as there was a a fair group of us that were all um, uh, confirmed together. And that whole group, it was a formative time where 
we would get together and have confirmation classes and we would uh, discuss sermons afterwards and, and so forth. I can't really recall it being... That's okay. ...formative with the, with the older... I'm asking you to, like, without being... Uh, <laughs> unkind. I'm asking you to go back a while. <laughs> oh, it's a long while ago, and my memory's <laughs> shocking at the best of times. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. What about after? Like, we 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 come out towards the end of school. Really, mm-hmm. is what we're talking about. What was that like for you? What were you planning to maybe do after school, or if you were planning anything? Um, and I mean, I'd love to. You also talked about God answering prayer as a pattern in your life. Is there anything around that time as well that God's answering yeah, prayer? Yeah, sure. Okay. So my goal had been to be an occupational therapist. Okay. Um, I was never a great student. Um, I put the work in, but in in my book, 51% was you know just enough to pass it, and yep. that was it. Uh, I probably enjoyed myself a little bit too much in Year 12 and did not hit the books as much as uh, my friends did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my dream of being an occupational therapist went out the window when my HSC came up. But that being said, all through the Year 12, I had uh, consistently been praying for... Uh, guidance and for wisdom with what God would direct my path to. And uh, I came back with a fairly shocking HSC mark that um, <laughs> that did not allow me to do anything other than teaching or nursing. Uh, they were my two options. Having done teaching at, uh, as a work experience, I knew that that was not for me. So therefore nursing was the option. Right, okay. Uh, so in one sense, uh, God had closed all the doors and opened another. And quite honestly, I can't imagine myself doing anything else now. I've oh, never wow. regretted doing nursing. Mm. So just seeing that the way that he did that, mm. albeit through my own laziness probably because <laughs> I didn't study all that well, um, it was an interesting way to, mm. to see that he directed my path. Yeah. To become a nurse. And does that mean, uh, do you have to go to college for that? Yes. Okay. So, I, so I went to UTS uh, for three years, studied uh, nursing there. Sorry, is it, because it was teacher's college, right? I mean, the reason it's in nursing college or is it just you go to university? You to go to university okay. and you do a, dip- well, these days it's a degree, but back in the day it was a diploma of applied science oh, right, in okay. nursing. Mm-hmm. Right, and... What's it like being a uni student for yourself? I mean, because sometimes uh, Braden and I and um, Braden and myself and Ethan have been on here and we kind of sound like we're trashing university. We don't <laughs> really mean to do that. We're not really, that was just, we just talked about our own experiences. But what was your experience like being at uni slash college? I had a great experience at uni. I really enjoyed great. it. Great. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have any friends at uni, really. Okay. <laughs> I, had, oh, I actually had one. I had one friend, sorry. I had some very good friends at uni. Uh, that being <laughs> said, it was a real opportunity for me to uh, to stand out as a Christian because none of them were Christians. Uh, it was difficult. There was a Christian group at uni, but doing nursing, we were not... Uh, on the regular campus, we were on the grounds of North Shore Hospital and oh. they had a specific uh, nursing campus there. So we would go there and that's not where the Christian group met. So I really didn't join up with the, the Christian group at mm. all. Um, and I had to sort of forge my own way there. Mm. 
There's a few Christians in your actual course, though. There were, but they their timetables did not align with mine. So my group of friends, the people that were mostly in my tutorials mm. and so forth, uh, not one of them. Mm. <laughs> so if you're spending a lot of time at Royal North Shore, you said. Yeah. Does that is that means you're getting a lot of practical experience? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no, so it was it was built on the grounds of North Shore, Shore Hospital, uh, but it was purely owned by the university. I think it's been torn down by now. Oh, it was okay. it was just picture a normal lecture theatre and and yeah. tutorial rooms, and then it had other uh, rooms set up for prac and so forth. The only reason I ask is because that's um, my bugbear about university is that it was very little for my course, very little practicality. It was very textbook heavy and. And those kind of things where it didn't really translate into the real world. So yeah, okay. I thought that would be cool if you were able to do that. Well, we did. Um, and it, it's the same these days too. You do blocks of PRAC where mm-hmm. you're sent out to various hospitals and yes. you actually have to work or in a, in a nursing home or a rehab hospital or whichever area it is for that particular PRAC. Mm-hmm. And uh, anything from a week to four weeks at a time, you, okay. will, you will work alongside regular nurses and so forth. Is a diploma different? How is a diploma different to a degree? So I came in, I was the third lot through of university trained nurses. Back in the old days, they used to train them through the hospitals and where you would have to live in the hospital, you'd be a student nurse and and so forth. Mm. They decided that they wanted to increase the professionalism of nurses and so they uh, put it all through the university system. The only reason that... Uh, there's no difference between a di- diploma and a degree other than the fact that they started it with a diploma. It's, it was exactly the same course the year after me. The people that graduated came out with a degree for, with no different work. Oh. But, um, <laughs> was that frustrating to you? Well, we get paid the same in the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, no, it, it's, rec- it's still recognised, I guess, just because of experience and so forth. And so you're a little bit older now? Mm-hmm. as we we're talking about so did you start serving differently in the church or did you find uh, opportunities for serving at the same time as when you were, you were studying uh when i was studying was was kind of hard mm. to because i was doing a lot of uh supplementing i was i was working as well yes. so i'd uh, be working on the weekends mm-hmm. uh once i finished uni though then then that became an opportunity to attend Bible studies and, and so forth. Uh, just trying to think back if I actually did. I, I guess I did serve when I think about it now in terms of, um, you know, morning tea rosters and things yeah. like that. There wasn't a, it wasn't a huge church, so there was, it wasn't um, a lot in terms of leading youth groups or Sunday school or anything like that that I, I could do. Mm. That opportunity probably came more once we moved to America. Oh, really? Okay. But if we before we get to that, though, yeah. so where did you end up meeting your husband, John? Because <laughs> he's probably told the story, but I'm, unfortunately I forget it. So let's That's hear okay. your side of the story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so back in the 1980s, early 1990s, they had a thing called coffee shops which oh, yeah. uh, for those that haven't heard of those before it's not where you go down and s- and sit and have a cup of coffee it was the Christian version of going to see a Christian band back in the day mm-hmm. so there were a lot of Christian bands around in the 80s and early 90s and uh, 
I went with my my group of young people from church. John was there with his group, uh, his youth group, at uh, I think it was the Rockdale Salvation Army at the time. We went there to see a Christian band, and I can't even tell you what the name of it was now. I don't think it was in the silence. It might have been something like Priority Paid, but okay. we went to yep. to see one of those bands. I've heard of Priority Paid. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> We went we'll go with that. We went to see one of those bands and I had um, I was notorious for not liking to wear shoes back in the day and I had taken my shoes off and put them in a pile uh, with all of the girls from his youth group because we were getting down and dancing and enjoying ourselves. <laughs> and uh, John saw me there and uh, at the end of the night uh, struck up a conversation and asked me out. Oh, wow. So That's very, very forward. Very it was, it was. When I look back now, it was very brave of both of us. It yeah, was forward of him and it was uh, brave of me because we, I said yes, he took my number and um, I didn't see him again for two weeks. <laughs> and okay. so, to be honest, the first time we went out, I couldn't actually remember what he looked like. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Some random guy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I am convinced that that was once again God working in our in our lives. Oh, why? Why do you say that? Where, uh, well, there was. There's another story behind that. I guess going back a couple of years at school. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was just as I finished uni. I had gone a lot away on a camp with. Um, some friends of mine and at that camp we had been challenged I guess as to where God was in terms of priority of our life and I had realised that I wasn't putting him as top priority in my life. I had been dating someone at the time and I felt challenged to that I that I was putting him this fellow above God and so at that point I came home and broke up with him. Um, and I also made a commitment not to go out with anyone for at least six months. So during that time, I focused on God. Uh, Unfortunately, I kind of shot myself in the foot because anyone that asked me out after that uh, and I said no, they all kind of went, oh, she doesn't want to go out with me. And so there was, uh, everyone stopped asking me out Mm. and I went through a period of about three years with, with no one. Uh, and not dating at all and then suddenly John appears out of nowhere Um, he was someone I didn't know and he asked me out Mm -hmm. that's how that sounds like you had a lot of suitors though (laughs) he said no one like that's a I don't think anyone's asked me (laughs) (laughs) no I wouldn't say a lot (laughs) (laughs) will you go out with me it's like the guys you're like no and then the next guy's will you go no no That's lovely though. So, mm. by pro- fo- focusing on God, you think that He uh, put John into your life at the right time. I think I was worried when you said you shot yourself in the foot that that foot—that's why you weren't wearing your shoes. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was worried you'd also say like John was the one that stepped on and broke my toe or something. But no, no, no. <laughs> that was the thing—is you take your shoes off. Yeah, back in the day. Well, I just never really liked wearing shoes. I still don't. So, oh, do you? <laughs> wow. I'm just a little bit older and <laughs> more wise now. <laughs> Had a few mishaps on yeah. the feet. <laughs> wow. In fact, the day we got married, our um, our minister actually did check. He 
he made me sort of pull my dress up a little bit to see if I was wearing <laughs> wedding shoes. Are because, you wearing shoes? Because he'd been so used to me turning up at church with <laughs> really not wearing shoes. You just went to church barefoot as well. Yeah. Wow. What do you think that is? Why do you don't like wearing shoes? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do you have like really like rough feet, like real strong, like big calluses and stuff on the No, feet? no, oh. but it's been a number of years now. <laughs> You're like, no, <laughs> no, I look after my feet. <laughs> well, that's cool. So where were we up to? So you meet John and you went out. You couldn't even remember what he looked like. No, no. <laughs> that's great. I think that's really funny. No wonder other people didn't want to ask you. About <laughs> 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 they worried. She can't remember what I look like. Um, so then what happened from there? Like how long were you going out? You said that you, when you got engaged with John, that you decided to move churches. Yeah. So we were dating about three years uh, and towards uh, the end of the third year, John finally uh, graduated from his university course, which had been a long six years that mm. he had been studying. Because uh, he did that, I remember he said he did that while he was working. Yes, he did. It was a very big slog for him. He worked very hard. Uh, so we dated about three years and then he asked me to marry him and we were engaged for another year after that and uh, and then we got married. Mm. Shoes on. Shoes on. <laughs> That's good. The other thing I didn't ask you though, sorry before we keep going, is what was it like going into nursing? Was it, is it a hard thing? Because I personally could not be a nurse. I don't want to have to deal with people's problems, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> what about you going to, you thought you were really almost called to be a nurse. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's so, there's something about seeing people when they're at their most vulnerable. A lot of people, when they go into hospital, they either are facing an operation and they're scared witless or they're in there because they're extremely ill really and feeling awful. And in both of the, those uh, situations, you get to see, see people... Uh, at their worst, at their most vulnerable, and it's really good to be able to help them, to make them feel better, to reassure them for those that are uh, nervous about what they might be facing, or in the case of if they're not feeling well, there's nothing better that I liked more than walking into a room and seeing them in pain and vomiting and so forth and being able to actually make a difference and offer them mm. drugs and, you know... Um, I'm, just even help them freshen up a bit and, and make them feel better. Oh, yeah. That's really lovely. Yeah. Where do you think you get that heart from that? Is it just from that God put it on your heart to care for people in that way or is it um, just an experience in your life? You're like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, I, I really don't know. Maybe God has put it on my heart. It's just, um, I think it's an incredible privilege to, to see people, uh, roots and all, uh, bare bones, um, and to love and care for them when they're in that position yeah. rather than make them feel any worse. Yeah. And actually improve their situation. Yeah, agree. absolutely. I mean, that's true. I mean, when I've gone to hospital or, you know, my children have been born, it's like it really makes a difference when you have a midwife or a nurse or someone that's like, no, no, we'll help you. Like, mm. or Because to be honest, there's some others that you've come across. They're like, <laughs> I can tell that you don't want to be a nurse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what about the night shift though? Is that tough? Yeah, okay, so I, I haven't done night shifts for many years now. Mm. Um, it is it is hard and I've never been good at sleeping through the day. Yeah. So I really only did a few years of that. Uh, once, once I had children, I never went back to full-time nursing. Um, we've been very blessed that we haven't had 
to have me work full time since the kids have been born. Uh, and I've chosen to remain casual and that allows me to pick and choose my shifts, which means I don't need to do night shift. I find it so hard to do night yeah. shift. And also like the changing of it all the time, not just stick, sticking with it. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, is there a difference between working on the night shift and to the day shift? Like what's the biggest difference? You get more wild people <laughs> at night. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, as in the patients. Oh, or the a- anything really. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just looking for differences. Oh, there's a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely quieter. Now, I have to preface that by um, I am a surgical nurse, so I mm. uh, look after. I don't work in the operating theatres. I look after people before their surgery and prep them for surgery, and when they come out from yep. surgery, um, it is. It, other people that work in the ER or midwives and so forth, it's crazy 24-7 there, but it do- definitely does get quieter usually on the night shift, mm-hmm. uh, the craziness from the day as people slowly start to go to sleep and so forth, it, it calms down. Mm. Um, so, so that's the nice part about it. Yep. It uh, can get extremely difficult to stay awake yes. if, it, if it's quiet. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to be busy just because when you're on your feet, it's Keeps not so hard. Yeah. Rather than snoozing uh, off in, in a chair or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to someone recently, uh, she, I think she works in midwifery, and she was saying that like at the like three o'clock in the morning, they'd like just run up and down the corridors kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe not running, but get moving around <laughs> the corridors because they just... You have to, know, just to wake to up. To stay awake. Mm-hmm. Um, my... Sister's partner, he's a paramedic, and it's yeah. a similar thing of like, uh, he has to stay, he stays at the station a lot of the time during the night time, but even then, it's the same thing. So, I've got to keep moving, otherwise, mm-hmm. I'll fall asleep, and then I, that's no good. So, yeah, um, uh, it's not something that I could do, but I appreciate that you, <laughs> you did it and don't do it any longer. So, let's go back. Sorry to you and John get married, mm-hmm. shoes on, as we said. <laughs> um, and then, how long until you moved to the US? Um, let me think. It would be about six years. So mm-hmm. in between then, uh, our daughter was born. Uh, so Laura was born four years after we were married. Shortly before that, John had been offered a job in the US. He worked for Qantas yes. and he was dealing with a lot of companies over there that outfit the interior of the Qantas aeroplanes. Okay. Uh, one of them had decided that it would be really good to have an engineer on board so they offered him a job and he came to me and said what do you think about this and I said no way I'm not going to that gun-toning country (laughs) Uh, especially I was pregnant at the time with with Laura and I thought I don't want to go to a place where I don't know anyone Mm. Uh, trying to raise a new child and a baby by my myself well with John but trying to navigate all of that without the family and friend support systems Uh, so I said no (laughs) Uh, which I shouldn't have done I should have prayed about it probably but (laughs) but you learn about that in hindsight Um, anyway time went on and, and Laura was born and I actually discovered that having a baby is um while it's life-changing it wasn't um devastating I was coping with it just fine and we thought about it and we did pray about it and the offer was still there and we thought well this could be a really good opportunity uh, an adventure 
to, to go together as a family unit. We thought it, it, if we're going to do it, it would be good to do it before our, before Laura goes to start school. Mm. Um, and so we, yeah, we chose to, to mm. say yes. Well, actually, I should should start again. We at She was five months old and we were starting to consider it. Mm. And we did, uh, he had to do a work trip over there. So I accompanied him with Laura and we all flew over there. Uh, just to check it out, see yeah. what it was like. Yeah, just to Seattle, was that right? Do it was north correctly? of Seattle, so oh, north halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, a small sort oh, of town. Okay, right. Was there a lot of rain there? Yes, there's, there wasn't as much as what there is in Seattle, but yes, it was very grey a lot of the time. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. And what was that experience like moving over there with a, a young daughter, five or six months old? Well, at the, when we first went over, uh, we just went to check it out. So, and there's a story in itself oh, because we we went over there and John worked his week there and then we thought we'd spend another week or two travelling around and just experiencing it. Two days into that, I actually ended up in hospital um, and not knowing what was what was going on with a lot of abdominal pain. Mm. Uh, it turned out that I had a um, ectopic pregnancy. I hadn't realised I was pregnant at the time Uh, and I had to have emergency surgery. Mm. And I said to the the doctor over there, can can we sort of make a run for it and come back to Australia? And she said, no, you could die on the way. Mm. And so uh, with a five-month-old, John was suddenly thrust into having to look after Laura, having to feed her and figure out how to do that while his wife was in surgery. I ended up having surgery and I was fine and the love and support that we had, we had one contact over there that we had made contact with through a friend of a friend of a friend uh, who was a lovely Christian lady and she turned up and uh, helped us with everything that we needed, make sure sure that uh, I was okay once we, I got out of hospital and so forth. Just that very experience in itself made us realise that God will look after us wherever we are and um, and it helps affirm our decision to move over there, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and thank you for being willing to share something that's so personal, first of all. It's really lovely to um, for you to be vulnerable. <laughs> like that. We talk about other people, so thank you for that. But uh, So you, you said that you met someone that was a Christian there and that really helped you. Was you able to find... Um, like a church community pretty quickly after that? When we actually moved over there, we didn't end up going to her church. We had been given a number of, um, a list of evangelical churches in the area and we decided that we would start working our way through those to find a church that uh, worked for us and that we could contribute as Mm. well. Uh, we got to the second or third one and we gave, we gave it a good shot. We spent a month in each one just to get to know. It was a very lonely time for me when I first went over there. I was there and by this day, when we actually moved there, Laura had turned one. I was six months pregnant with number two child and uh, it was... It was winter when we got over there. We had no car. Um, I was more or less uh, restrained, constrained to an apartment with a one-year-old 
and very heavily pregnant myself. And, uh, yeah, mm. it, it was... And coming off the back of a surgery as well. Well, yeah, this is another there's six months down the well, track just, by there's then. There's a lot yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. And, mm. and I had a husband that was working yeah. um, five days a week. Yeah. And it was a very lonely time for me. Anyway, we tried the first couple of churches and they were very big churches and we kind of fell through the gaps, I guess. The third church that we went to, though, um, we walked through the doors and the minister was greeting us. Uh, uh, well, actually, no, it was as we, as we left. We were on our way out and the minister was there shaking our hand and he wanted to hear our story. He was like, oh you know, what are you doing over here? And we explained and uh, said, we are looking for a, for a new church. And um, and he looked me dead in the eye and he said, that must be really lonely for you. Oh, like, wow. um, he, he'd heard our story and he said, why don't you guys come back for lunch uh, to our place? And we did. We went back and unbeknownst to him or us at the time, his wife had felt compelled to set another two places for their roast meal. <laughs> uh, so it was totally a God thing. Yeah. We went back there. Um, we, d we talked a little bit more uh, about our situation. And he, he said to me, you don't have to come to this church, but you obviously need feeding please join our women's Bible study group through the week. And even if you don't attend this church, you are always welcome just to fellowship with these ladies and That's to come. Lovely. And uh, that extent, the, the extension of that invitation to me just meant the world. So we did um, find that church community there. Uh, I found a wonderful bunch of women uh, across the ages. They were young and old, and there was a big women's Bible study group there that uh, split into smaller groups. Uh, there was a creche that they ran there, which allowed the younger young mums to be able to put their babies in the creche so that A, they had a, a rest from the children and B, they were actually able to study the Word of God uninterrupted. Which and a bit was, of conversation and stuff. Which was it? just amazing mm. and have proper adult conversations too. So, yeah, it was a real blessing. And so that's like a really, I mean, I'm guessing, were you praying about that? Like you, you oh, so you've struggling, struggling for a while. It had, we had, I had been struggling for a while and John was aware of that too. Um, and yeah, so mm. we just, we actually did end up attending, attending there. I, I went along to the women's Bible study group. John took longer to get to know people there because obviously it was only on Sundays he was able to get there. Yep. But I was seeing these ladies through the week as well. But um, he could see that um, they they were awesome just offering us fellowship and, mm. and so forth. And so we developed a really uh, close friendship with a lot of lovely Christian people over there. That's really awesome. Mm. What a, yeah, what a blessing that would be. To, like when it's been real hard for you, mm. like in that six months period or whatever that yeah and to, to then to have that was just mm. so lovely and what and I'm, I'm assuming that you referred earlier when we were talking that um uh you were able to find a church community that and that you really um felt uh really blessed by sorry i'm kind of repeating myself here but um what did what do you think that how that affected you in terms of your christian faith because you'd moved to somewhere that you didn't know you didn't know anyone have this operation then you have young children and mm. pregnant with another one a young child and pregnant with another one mm. and then you come into this group of, of women who are really supportive how does that mold you as a christian 
guess you can see that God just is constantly working in your life and constantly mm. looking out for you. God, it's just reaffirmed to me how much God loves me. And regardless of the situation and regardless of what we face, God always wants the best for us. It doesn't mean that we won't have suffering or um, go through hard times, but he is always walking there with us. He will have people, provide people to to comfort us when we need it and uh, he will bring us a peace Mm. as well. Yeah, Yeah, it's, yeah. What about, um, is it different being an Australian in America? Did you have to... (laughs) Grow pretty accustomed. Uh, my dad lives in America now, and he t- keeps telling me every time I see him, he's like, "I'm becoming more and more American." Yes, because <laughs> um, he says gas instead of petrol and stuff oh, like that. I, yeah. Yes, I spoke a whole different language over yeah. there, and <laughs> one of the not one of the reasons, but John used to joke that he would have to come back. To, we'd have to move back to Australia soon because his wife was turning American. <laughs> uh, Australians speak very quickly, and mm. uh, if you speak like we would be speaking over there. None of them can understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and so the easiest way to make yourself understood is to actually develop an American accent. Oh, really? <laughs> and to speak their words, their language, if you like. Yeah. It's funny because we're both, you know, Western English-speaking civilizations, but the cultures are very, very different. Yeah. So one of the early uh, instances when I went out with some of the ladies from church, they invited me out just for um, dessert one evening after we put our kids to bed and so mm-hmm. forth. And so we all went out and they all said, they all, all ordered um, oh, something a la mode. I can't remember what it was, like a chocolate cake a la mode. And oh, I yeah. was like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, oh, with ice cream. They, they said, what, what do you say when you, when you um, want ice cream. ice cream? And I'm like, with ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> is that a French word, a la mode? Oh, it That's probably, what it sounds it, like it is. It is French, but ice cream in French is uh, glacé. Yeah. So I, I don't really understand. It, the literal translation is in the fashion. So Yeah, that's uh, what I was just looking at. Yeah. It says according the first um, description is according to the prevailing style of fashion. Second, yeah. served with ice cream. Yeah. So <laughs> I, did I not don't know. know. That. But there's a lot of different different things that they say and there's a lot of um, Australianisms that we have that they yeah. have no idea about either. Yeah. And they they tend to look at you really funny and kind of say, huh, yeah. <laughs> like speak English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, but what is it, um, what was my original question? I can't remember. But the other thing I keep thinking about is that, um, oh, my question was about being Australian, being an American. But do you think there's any differences in between Australian Christians and American Christians? Mm. Um. Yeah, that's a tr- that's a tricky one. I don't don't want to get political. No. Um, and I think things have probably changed over the last few years too, from when we were there. Mm. Uh, they there's a difference in the culture over there. In that Americans are extremely passionate people. Uh, by contrast, Australians are as a bunch are fairly apathetic, and so Americans come across to Australians as very loud and in your face they're not actually they they just have a real zest for life that we do not have and I think that can translate into uh, into their faith as well sometimes so yeah they got an, ex- an example without naming names or anything uh, 
But what did you see in America that you're like, I haven't seen that in Australia before? Oh, many things. But <laughs> yeah, a big one. <laughs> big one. Oh, well, when our church, to raise money for the youth group one night, we, um, we had a pie auction. Oh, and an so auction. An auction. Wow. And so literally the entire church would turn up and we'd have all these round tables that you would sit at and all the women in the church would bake pies and so forth and we had an auctioneer there and he would auction them at, and each table would sort of pull their money and they would um, auction off the pies and then they'd get to... they'd bring the pie to their table and they'd get to eat it. Really? And, um, and it got quite funny because, you know, you'd get the husbands at various tables competing uh, if it was their wife's pie and if... <laughs> this pie's better. Yeah, like yeah, that. that's right. But they have this real passion and really just get into everything that they do. Uh, did, did you make a pie? You know, I have no pie-making skills, mm -hmm. but I did make a pavlova, which they had never seen, oh, raised $110. Wow, they're yeah. like, I've never seen this before. <laughs> what is I, this delicacy? I also made a sticky date pudding that didn't sell. Oh. But, <laughs> but that's okay. I got asked for the recipe three times after that <laughs> when they when it was sort of given away and uh, someone ate it and went, oh, oh this really... Does that mean they don't have a sticky date pudding in America No, they much? do not. Sticky date pudding is delicious. Yeah, there are a lot of things that they don't have over there. Mm. <laughs> so. My dad complains that he can't get any real bread. That's what he gets upset. He's like, yes, I can't get decent bread. It's very sugary bread. It's yeah. not... Mm. That's what his point. He's like, he comes home and has like a bit of salad. And he's like, oh, why can't we just have this in America? Yeah. <laughs> well, you moved over there, Dad. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, my other question I wanted to ask you um, was about being a mum. Because yep. you have three daughters, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Were they all born in America? No, no. Well, the Laura first was Laura born wasn't here, and then our younger two, Bethany and Kayla, were both born in America. Okay. Yeah. So, is it different being a mum in America as well compared to Australia? Because then my next question is, what has God taught you through motherhood? So you can put them together if you like. But mm. okay. Um, is it different being a mum? It's it's a little bit difficult for, for me to separate my my life here and my life over there as a mum because I think you go through seasons in your life mm. and that was the season when my children were all preschoolers. Um, so I don't know how my life would have looked like here. That's if, fair. If, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know That's that I okay. can answer that. But what about the, the, the other the two-part question was, what has God taught you about being a mum, do you think? Or let's say just as a parent, because um, for me personally I have... Recently, like eight, six, and two are my children's mm -hmm. ages, uh, and I know they have definitely taught me a lot in those last eight mm -hmm. years. What about for you? How do you think having your daughters and being their mum has changed you, and especially like what God's trying to teach you? I've grown an appreciation for. I think it. It's hard to to voice this, but um. I think I've grown an appreciation for a little bit of what God feels for us and his love for us as his children, as a parent, and mm. not specifically as a mum, but you would you would know this too. That when you become a parent, the love that you have for your child is unconditional and it they can let you down and they can go off the rails and do things that um, their behaviour cannot be great sometimes, but you love them regardless. Yeah. And God's really taught me that, 
that's what happens what with doing. his love for us mm. as well. Really like um, he he loves us regardless of what we do, mm. and um, yeah, I think I think it's really neat sometimes to to look at how at your relationship with your own children and and see it from God's perspective with us. Mm. Yeah, and then yeah, and it changes how you relate to God and understand his relationship with us yeah. in the same way, yeah, right? It's, that's right. It, it, you, uh, yeah, I was thinking just the other day, I, for some reason I always check on my two older kids. They sleep in a bunk bed and every time I go to bed I just always check on them and just like fix up their dinner if they, like, so mm-hmm. they don't get cold or something. Mm-hmm. But then you just go like, it's, in, it's almost impossible to describe how like much you care about your son or your yeah. daughter. Can you imagine how much more it is for God? That's right? exactly right. Like you can't compare yourself with God, obviously, but, but yeah. it's just a snippet and just an inkling of how God feels about us and, and his love for us. Yeah. And I think that's really neat. That's a gift that he's given given us. Thank you for enlightening me on that. I think that's really helpful as a parent. So that's cool. Um, you only spent six years in America. Yes. And you came back. Yes. What was the reason and uh, what was it like? coming back into a strange society mm, okay that was um there are a lot of reasons that we came back i think john uh had a new boss at work that um he was finding it more difficult to work with uh we had aging parents and we also started to think like at, at the beginning we we were kind of like you know what we're loving this we could stay here forever but um we had been looking uh, to get a green card while we were over there. The company John was working for had been applying since the year that we moved over there to get a green card and it was not forthcoming, mm. which was okay. But I guess we did a lot of praying about about what the future looked like. We never really knew and it is a little bit unsettling to, to not know where in the world that you are going to end up. Uh, so, we, yeah, John's job... We had ageing parents. Uh, I guess our kids by this stage had started school as well and we were beginning to think, well, are we going to be here for another five years, ten years? If we're here for ten years, are they going to start dating someone over here? Are they going to marry someone over here? Mm. Do we want to stay here forever or do we... And so so we kind of worked backwards and said, well, do we want to retire in Australia or in America? And the answer was yes. We want to we want to be back in Australia, and we worked backwards from there, thinking, okay, well, we need to to move back before the girls hit um, sort of university stage or start dating seriously. Mm. Uh, and yeah, we just kind of worked worked back from there. Uh, we yeah yeah did a lot of praying about it, and mm-hmm. John started to to look for let it be known amongst the avionics circles that he was possibly interested in in coming back and uh, a, there was a job that um, we were actually thinking of moving to Brisbane at that stage and looking for where he was looking for work there but there was a job job back at Qantas that uh, came up and it looked like it was written for him and and that was definitely a god moment as well and yeah, right. he applied for that and he got it and we ended smack back back in the shire again <laughs> well that was i had a logistical question on that so if you're moving back mm-hmm. 
it's not like you've gone on a holiday and you come back and you know where your home is. So what do you do when you come back? Are you staying with someone or you just go and stay in a hotel until you find somewhere to live? Or We we actually had uh, bought a home before we left in Kirrawee. Right. So uh, we did have a – and we had been renting it out the whole time. So mm-hmm. we did have a home to come back to. Okay. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that certainly made the landing a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah. That'd be yes. Albeit we had outgrown it by then. So I was uh, going to say, yeah. <laughs> did you all fit in there <laughs> for a short amount of we time? We did for a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I think in like, do you come back to nursing? Then is that what you did? Not immediately. Our youngest was only four when I moved back, so probably a, a couple of years. When she started school, um, we then looked at, at me going back to nursing. But that was intimidating because it had been 10 years right. and I um, wasn't feeling all that confident. But I started working on night shift just a couple of days a week. It was what we could manage in terms of uh, tag-teaming with John, John Wood get the kids off to school in the morning, um, they would be at school, I'd be there to pick them up and I'd go to work and he'd be sleeping at home yeah. while um, while the kids were asleep as well. So, yeah. <laughs> you do what you do when the kids are little. Yeah, that's hard, that's hard work. And then so if you're going back to nursing and you just stayed casual the whole time now. I did, I right. did. But then did you move into doing, uh, oper- what did you say, sorry, operational? Sur- sur- surgical nursing? Surgical nursing, yeah, you said that. Yeah, did well, you move on to that afterwards? No, no, I've always, so I've always been a surgical nurse, even okay. back right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. That that was the area that right. um, I ended up working in. Are planned surgeries or are they like emergency surgeries? Most of them are planned. Oh, okay. Uh, throughout the years it's been different areas in mm. different fields, mm. but... Um, most of them are planned um, elective surgeries, but mm. not always. You'd get people with appendicitis that had come mm. in, needing their appendix out, people that have broken their arms, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, yeah. And then, so, I mean, you're also, like, not only coming back from a different country, but you, you're moving churches. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the story about you? I think, if I remember correctly, you went to Sylvania Anglican for a yes. while. And then how did you end up coming to Soul Revival Church as well? That's a lo- that's a long period, I'm guessing. But yeah, we were at Sylvania probably for about fourteen, thirteen or fourteen years, I think. Mm, that is a long time. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess throughout that period, our our kids had um, gotten old enough to have their own driver's licences and so forth, and they'd um, moved ver- to various different churches as well. Um, and we we felt that uh, it would be good for a change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we weren't weren't necessarily having to stay put just for the consistency of the kids. Mm. And yeah. Well, it's very nice to have you on here. Well, there's there's also just one final question, which I I teed you up before, and you said you weren't really sure, but I, like I can see that there's like God's had a really big influence in your life. But looking back over your life, you're obviously a Christian now, but also you were a Christian when you were younger. What do you wish you knew? You know, something that you know now that you wish you knew when you were younger. That God's got us in the palm of His hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. Um. It. Regardless of what you face, um, 
you can trust him. He holds you in the palm of his hand and it really, um, yeah, mm. he, will, he, will, he will give you the strength to get through whatever, whatever you're facing mm. and he will walk beside you mm. as well. And uh, I definitely agree with you, I should say that, but also I think um, something that I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast about is the encouragement it is to say that like how much you've been praying and how much there've been so many th- there's that pattern that you said of answered prayer and not always answered as we expected i really i do wonder about that is i really think that god ever answers the prayer in exactly the way we want him to <laughs> he was like no 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 even if it's like slightly the same as what you pray for is like no no just remember i'm in control yeah. kind of thing and in i hold we're in the palm of his hand not yeah. the other way around and i think that I think that's something that I've taken from doing this episode with you is that we just can give everything to God and he will answer it in his timing, in his will, mm. and also what's best for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we just we just need to trust him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really neat when you can get to that point where you just do trust him. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny that how many times we're like, I just need to trust God, and then we don't. And then yeah. he reminds us again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, we, it's probably time to wrap up the chips, as we like to say on the Chip Lunch podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And thank you for coming in and being willing to stretch yourself, as yeah. you said before we started recording <laughs> and having a go. I've, hopefully it's been a rather pleasant experience, not, yeah. not too bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you for your encouragement, and I, I think that's a really cool thing to to keep thinking about is that, God holds us in the palm of his hand and that we can always talk to him and he always listens. Mm, Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, Dee, we always like to finish with a one-way if you're happy to do a one-way at the end of this. If you look into that camera, and one-way.